Hi there, it's Caitlin here. Our mission is to help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning framework, and support so that they can become the best version of themselves, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, then I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Writing Program or the EB Teachers Club by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope you continue to support you inside one of our programs. And in the meantime, we'll see you back here on the podcast each week. All right. Welcome back, teachers. We are excited because we're switching back to what we were doing before. For a little bit there, you probably noticed for January and February, um, we were trying to do, uh, to support you in every capacity possible of having YouTube videos and then taking that audio and putting it onto the podcast. But what we noticed is as Jessica was composing these um, episodes for our YouTube channel, some of them didn't really lend themselves to being on YouTube, but they were so good. We couldn't not produce them. So we decided to kind of go back to the way things were. We're going to take snippets of the content from these podcast episodes and create shorter pointed YouTube videos from them. But these podcast episodes are going to be like those larger discussions, those more in-depth discussions that are really going to benefit you in the classroom. And I love that we're diving back into it. We're recording. This is for March that we're diving into right now. And everything has to do with poetry, which is so perfect and apropos headed into April, right? Which is poetry month. So we're getting you set up for success throughout the month of March. So Jessica, welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. It's fun to be here. And I love talking about poetry. I think it's one of those topics where teachers are like, oh gosh, or they love it, but I think we'll be sharing some cool stuff. It really is like extremes. It is. Yeah. We're going to get into that or you hate it. And what do you, what are, what I'm just going to assume you love it. I do love it. I mean, it's fun. I think it's intimidating or it used to be for me but I always loved it. And totally. I know you enjoy it. I love it. It's my yeah. favorite for sure. I remember, I think it's because I had a great high school English teacher, Mr. Yeager, who actually still teaches high school English at the same high school that I went to. And he's the reason I wanted to be an English teacher. Um, and I just remember he would, he was very much like Robin Williams in dead poet society. That's the type of teacher that he was. And the way that he taught us poetry was just magical. So I think that that plays into why I probably enjoyed teaching it. I think so. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So let's dive into this particular podcast episode. So we're going to be talking about rethinking poetry and a fresh perspective for engaging your students with this particular um, type, you know, topic that we're teaching in our English classes. So if you're running into, you know, your students with blank faces, they're not engaged. You say, oh, we're going to do our poetry unit. And they roll their eyes and they're like, oh, Mrs. Mitchell, I don't want to do that. So if that is you, the next few episodes are really going to help you out. We have some incredible tips, some strategies, um, hacks, if you will, to turn that around and make poetry a fun and exciting subject for not just your students, but for you as well. So if you're the type of teacher who is that extreme of, I hate teaching poetry, um, this is going to support you and hopefully changing your mind um, just a little bit. And I just want to point out that, of course, these activities that we're going to share and these tips that we're going to share with you can be done any time of the year when you teach poetry, right? This is airing in March. It's perfect for talking about National Poetry Month and April and all that stuff. But you could totally apply this if you teach, you know, a little like, an accompaniment. You know what I mean? Sometimes I would bring in a poem as we're doing a certain novel or something like that. Stay gold, um, pony boy, right? Robert Frost's poem, all of that stuff. We can utilize a lot of these strategies in other capacities in our classrooms. I like that for sure. 
So where these topics came from was I was recently at an education conference and I came back full of ideas, full of like inspiration, if you will. And I thought it'd be really helpful to just share some of like my big takeaways with you. So think of it as like, you didn't have to go to two days of PD. I just summed it all up for you and we're going to share it here. And okay. I want to interrupt because that's huge. That (laughs) is is so helpful, right? Yeah. (laughs) These are like the big things. So you just get to sit back and enjoy. I love it. Sorry. I just had to call that out because I I love that you are, you did that for our our audience. I had so much fun. (laughs) Um, And I'm hoping that they offer just a fresh perspective for you for how to engage your students, whether you're reading poetry, you're discussing it, or even if students are writing their own poems. And before I dive into this, I told Caitlin, I wanted to share a story with her. She has no idea what this story is about (laughs) something that happened to me at the conference. And I think you'll all get a kick out of it. So I'm just going to share it really quick if you don't mind, Caitlin. Yeah, go ahead. I have no idea what you're going to say. No. (laughs) So it was the first night of the conference and I was meeting up with Sarah, who's one of our team members. And if you're an EB teacher, you know, Sarah in our Facebook group, she's awesome. And she happens to live um, in the city that I was in. And so she's, we were texting with each other and she's like, okay, I'm pulling up to the hotel. Um, and she's like, I, I think I see you outside. Is that you? Are you carrying, you know, a a blue bag? And I was, I said, great. I'll see you in a minute. So the car pulls up in front of the hotel and the woman's like waving at me at the car and beckoning me into the car. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, why are there New York plates on this car? Like we're not in New York, but okay. It's Sarah. So I open the passenger door. I throw my stuff in. And while I'm doing that, the driver is coming around the back and she just runs up and gives me this huge hug. And I'm like hugging her back and I pull away and I'm like, this is not Sarah. Like who is this person? But I'm like friendly and nice. And I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And I said, um, I don't think you're who I'm supposed to be meeting though. And she's like, no, 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 it's me. I'm here to pick up someone I've never met too. And I'm like, oh, it's definitely not me. <laughs> and then Sarah pulls in behind me and she's like, oh my God, did you just get in the wrong car? And I'm like, kind of. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So bad. <laughs> it was very funny though. And then Sarah and I went out and it was a great night. But the woman was lovely and like kept waving to me and met whoever she okay, was. That's hilarious. To. Isn't that, that funny? Is so funny. A little embarrassing, but it was really funny. So oh my that's God, my random funny. conference I love story. It. I love it. So as we dive into this episode, thank you for sharing that. Hopefully everybody got a little laugh out of that. I, Cause I can totally picture that in my, in my right? mind happening hundred um, percent. The way that we structure this episode is really more of like a Q and a, um, I'm going to interview mm-hmm. Jessica about some of her takeaways and things like that. Um, as we dive into the episode. So what I'm going to start with Jessica is I'd love to know, you know, one of the sessions that you went to at the conference was all about the power of poetry. And I'd love to know just a little bit about what that was like for you. Yeah. So first I chose it because I am interested in poetry and I'm always ready to hear ideas for making it more engaging for our students. And I'm so glad I went to it. And it's funny because the presenter actually opened the session by asking teachers to fill in the blank. Poetry is, and it's kind of like what you and I were talking about at the beginning of this episode. And the responses were just completely diverse. People were like, poetry is the worst thing to teach. Poetry is my favorite thing to teach. Poetry is fun. Poetry is scary. It was like all the answers. And it was funny because by the end of the 90 minutes we were together, we were all like legitimately inspired, inspired to go read poetry, write it, enjoy it with our students, take all these ideas back to the classroom. It was one of those sessions where 
a bunch of teachers just went up to the presenter when it was done and was like, thank you for doing that. So there were so many worthwhile takeaways I had from Mm -hmm. that session. Yeah. I love that. So will you share some of those big takeaways with us that really might help us consider teaching a poetry unit with like a new light or a fresh perspective or some fresh ideas so that our teachers who are listening and their students do become excited and inspired, just like the teachers at the conference. Like what are some of those things that you learned that you can share with us? Definitely. And I think my first takeaway, it's very simple, but it really got me to think about something I could take back to the classroom and do and have like big changes with it. And the first one is just to enjoy poetry at the human level. And the presenter talked about how, you know, as teachers, we're always asking our students to analyze a poem. You know, why did the author do this? Why did the speaker say this? But at first we want to just simply let them read it or listen to the poem and enjoy it. And I liked this kind of visualization of it. So she said, like, imagine that you're going to read a poem to your students in class, right? And that the author of that poem is sitting in your classroom. You know, they're at a desk in the back and you want to make them proud because, you know, they wrote that poem as a form of artistic expression. They're revealing something about their identity. And how can we as teachers honor that? How can we show respect to that? And the answer is by enjoying it at the human level. So don't jump straight into the rhyme scheme, the symbolism, the figurative language. Instead, simply enjoy it. And so we want to consider like, how would the poet want us to read it? And then as the teacher, we need to practice our pace, our pitch, our voice, our diction. We need to notice like, where are the line breaks? What is the punctuation? And if we're reading it and we're practicing it and we're like, you know what? I'm just not so happy with how this sounds. Like, look for other options. What if there's an audio on YouTube, right? Of an actor reading the poem or even the poet themselves reading the poem. Maybe we can play that for our students. So the idea is to just let students simply enjoy the words, enjoy the images. And, you know, there's time for analysis or the reflection later on. And sometimes maybe consider like, it's okay not to analyze a poem. Just let them enjoy it, let it linger and then move on. And I thought this was so fascinating, Caitlin. You'll want to check this out too. It's it's so good. So if you're not convinced that, you know, we should just read the poem for the sake of the enjoyment of it, I want you to go check out, you can just Google this, a Washington Post article, and it's called Poet, I Can't Answer Questions on Texas Standardized Tests About My Own Poems. (laughs) So this was a different session I went to with another poet. Um, She's an author. She's an educator. Her name's Sarah Holbrook. And she wrote this article for the Washington Post. And it was all about how her poems are used on those standardized tests in Texas. And she went through them and she tried to answer the questions and she couldn't. (laughs) They were absurd. They were difficult. She's like, if I who wrote this poem can't even analyze it, how are seventh graders going to do it? Right? She wrote the poem to be enjoyed. And here were these questions that students were being asked to answer. And it was like the furthest thing from enjoyment. And I just found that so fascinating and it offered like a different way of thinking about poems that it's okay to simply enjoy them sometimes. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And the first poet actually that came to mind as you were kind of talking through everything was William Carlos Williams. Oh, we're going to talk about him. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So like the red wheelbarrow, you know, so much depends upon. And I just think that you know, there were times and especially, um, Langston Hughes, like some of his poetry that I would do with my students too. There wasn't like and there was a need, obviously, sometimes to analyze some of them, but I wanted to introduce them to like a wide array of this poet's work. And I wasn't going to have time to analyze every single piece in any capacity. And so we just read them and I'm like, which one's your favorite and why, 
you know, it's just the beauty of words and the way that poetry gets to express that is just really different than reading a book or reading a novel or a play or something like that. Um, very cool. So takeaway number one is to simply enjoy the poem for the initial read, like just enjoy it with your students. I absolutely love it. So what about then when it's time to analyze a poem? Like what can teachers do to ensure that they're hitting those ELA standards that they need to cover? that we get to cover, right? But mm-hmm. are still creating that enjoyable experience for our students to appreciate poetry. Right. Cause we, I mean, we have to teach, right. We have to meet those standards. So of course we need to incorporate that into the classroom. And I think we can do that by viewing poetry through a different lens, right? Maybe you don't go straight to the standards. Yes. They're still going to be your North star and guide you, but after you have your students just read the poem for like the sheer enjoyment of it, look at the poem through a different lens. So I'm sure you and all your, all the listeners have heard of Rudine Sims Bishop. She's the literary scholar. And she said that literature can serve as mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors, right? In the lives of readers. I hope you've heard that expression. It's a great one in terms of literature. And it means that literature can reflect the reader's own experiences. You know, that's the mirror. It can offer glimpses into the experiences of others. That's the window. And then literature can provide opportunities for readers to expand their perspective, understand the world. And those are the sliding glass doors. That's what we want for our students to see themselves in the literature and then see others as well and kind of walk into the literature. So when we as teachers, when we can start to look through poetry, through this lens of the mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors, then it changes how we approach the poems that we share with our students, right? It changes the discussion questions that we ask of them or that we encourage them to even ask themselves as they read the poem. So think of questions like this. So you're going to take poems in your class, you read them for the sheer enjoyment, and then ask your students these questions. What can you learn about the person from the story they tell in the poem? Do you see yourself reflected some way in the poem? What insights can you take away about the individual in the poem? What insights can you take away about the greater human experience? So if you have students ask themselves those questions or discuss those questions with each other, and then they maybe read the poem one more time, and now they pick a word or a phrase or a line that they reflect on, and they try to answer those questions, it makes analyzing the poem so much less intimidating, right? They're just thinking, how do I relate to this poem? How do I see myself into it, in it? Or how do I see someone else in it? And it opens up a whole new discussion about themselves and others. And I just love that perspective. Again, we're not in rhyme scheme and line breaks and symbolism. We're just asking students, how are they connecting with the poem? It's still analyzing it though. Yeah, I think that's fantastic because when students reflect on these questions in terms of poetry, they really are still hitting those standards because they are critically analyzing the meaning of the poem just in maybe a different way than we're used to doing with our students, right? That we maybe have done in the past. And then that can be like the foundation for a later discussion about the structure of a poem and how that further contributes to the meaning of the poem. I also actually think that's even more powerful for being able to do that later because they've already built in those personal connections. And so it's gonna be easier for them to have those conversations. I think that's a fantastic point. I love those questions that you just shared. So we'll make sure that we put those in the description so that it's easy for you guys to take and and take back to your classroom. So, so far we've talked about reading and analyzing poetry through a new lens in terms of simply enjoying the poem on a human level, 
Love that. And then analyzing through the lens of mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors, such great analogies, metaphor. Like, I don't know, like they're just, they're brilliant. I love Mm -hmm. it. Um, What about having students write their own poetry? So, so many students are very, very intimidated and hesitant to even participate in this part of, of a poetry unit. Talk to us about that. First, I totally agree. And I think that was something that came up in the sessions that I went to on poetry at the conference. A lot of us said that when we were younger and we had to write poems, we hated it. And, you know, we were graded on them and it was intimidating. And like, in particular, I remember a poem I wrote in fourth grade. We all were required to do it. And my teacher was like, no, that's not a poem. And I was like, but it is a poem. And I worked really hard on it. And she was like, no, you have to redo that. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote this ridiculous, like rhyming poem. I still remember the title. It was mushy marshmallows. Like it (laughs) revealed nothing about me. It was so dumb, but it met the requirements for the assignment. And so then we could just move on. And ever since then, I'm like, I'm not a poet. I can't write like that. Mm -hmm. And so I do think like somewhere in the back of our heads, we sometimes think this is too hard. It's intimidating. But if we look at it through a new way, maybe it's not as hard as we think it is, or maybe it's not so hard as our students even think it is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to share an idea. And this is something I did with my fifth graders, but I think it can be used honestly at any grade level. And it just makes writing poetry more approachable for students and it's copy and change poems. So maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't, Um, but we're going to do it through the lens of the red wheelbarrow, which you brought up earlier, right? William Carlos Williams. It's that really short poem. If you don't know it, go check it out. It's like a single sentence. It's beautiful. So you can use that poem for a copy and change poem by simply having your students read the poem. You can discuss it a little bit if you want to, but it's not necessary. And then you're going to have students fill out a, just basically a fill in the blank template that reads so much depends upon blank. And if you know the poem, that's how it begins. So you're going to encourage students to just finish that sentence. So much depends upon, and the goal is for them to try to reveal a big truth about themselves. So it might take a little bit of practice, but a student might write something like, so much depends upon the point guard's hand as he guides the ball down the court. You know, maybe it's an athlete in your class that writes that, or someone else might write so much depends upon a long ago dream nestled dormant deep inside that finally blooms. Now, what is that dream? What is that big truth? It opens up a whole discussion then. And I just love this because it's so much less intimidating than just, you know, go out there and write a poem. And there's so many benefits to trying it out with your students, right? If you're giving them a sentence stem, it makes it easier for them when they write poetry because they have that starting point. They have some structure. They know where to start. There's not that writer's block. And then it gives them a framework to build upon. It helps eliminate the pressure of coming up with like a completely original idea. They don't have to do that anymore. And so it reduces the anxiety, gives them more direction. And honestly, it just like simplifies the writing process. Oh, I just have to fill in one sentence. I know this is just one example. You can do it with other poems, but this is a good one to start with because it gives them that foundation to build upon. It makes poetry more accessible and frankly, more enjoyable because they're like, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. They have that confidence. And then they feel like, okay, I can maybe write a longer one or try something else out. Yeah. I love how approachable this is that, you know, there are other things too. Like, um, one of the ones that came to mind was you were saying this was a, a found poem. I love Mm -hmm. 
because there is no rhyme or reason. It's just words that we like and putting them together on a page. Um, and if you go to our blog, if you go to ebacademics.com and you type in poetry, we have a bunch of you know blog posts over the past couple of years that have other ideas for simple approaches like this. I love this one. It's a copy and change poem, right? That's what it's called. That's what it's called. Super cool. And I think too, to speak into what you said, I had that same experience when I was in college in a poetry class in college. And I would pour like my heart and soul into these poems. They meant so much to me. And then I'd get a B on a poem. And I'm like, why am I even being graded on something that's important to me? Do you know what I mean? So I think that we hold so much power as teachers in the experience that our students get to have in our classrooms by the way in which we approach how they're expressing themselves through their poetry. For one student, it's going to look very different from another student. Um, So I think just keeping that in mind, that great responsibility that we hold in shaping students' beliefs about themselves. Like you walked away from that experience with your teacher telling yourself, I guess I can't write poetry. I guess I'm not a poet. And that literally shapes the course of a huge part of your life and who you are and who you believe that you are capable of being, right? Um, So just to to keep in mind that, that massive special responsibility that we get to hold as teachers. Um, So such a great episode, wonderful takeaways. I absolutely loved these. Thanks so much for sharing all of your insights from all of the poetry um, sessions that you went to at the conference. Next week, I want to just kind of tease a little, little bit. Um, We've all probably seen those March Madness poetry competitions on Instagram and all that stuff, but we are going to share our take on that next week on the podcast, all about just a super interactive way in order to bring this into your classroom, to hook your students. So make sure that you tune into next week's podcast episode, where it will be all about a March Madness poetry competition. All right, you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye, everyone.